0: At first it was just one sheep per day, but as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more, until... Until one day, a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, y'all. Please be seated just for a moment. Daddy, Daddy, tell us a story. Daddy, Daddy, tell us a story. If I were to make a list of the best things about being a daddy, that one would be at the top of the list. Whenever you tuck your children in at night and they say, Daddy, Daddy, Mommy, Mommy, tell us a story. And we had some pretty good ones when my little ones were itty-bitty, I must say. We did have some pretty good ones. For example, once upon a time there was a little stuffed bunny rabbit who wanted to become real. Once upon a time, there was a poor pauper boy who wanted to become a prince. Once upon a time, there was a great king who became a little child. Once upon a time. Those words mark a beginning, the beginning of a story. Okay, side note. Some of y'all are wondering, why is Father Matt standing behind me, Ambo? It's because my back started hurting me last night. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to walk around, but alas, I can't resist. I cannot resist. Once upon a time, those words mark the beginning of a story. This morning, today on this New Year's Eve, on this beautiful service of lessons and carols, this morning we come to John's gospel. John's gospel, his famous prologue. And I want us to think about this question together just for a couple of minutes. How does it Begin. On the cusp of a new year, we're asking the question, how does John's gospel begin? See, when John tells his story, his version of the Jesus story, it's different from Matthew and uh, Luke, Matthew and Luke. In John's beginning, there are no angels, no donkeys, no shepherds, no wise men, no stars, We sung about a lot of those just now, and yet in John's gospel, none of them are there. John's beginning is not so much full of events and details. It's chock full of meaning. We live in a meaning crisis in 21st century America, and John's gospel is full of meaning. John does not tell us how the baby Jesus was born. He tells us why. He doesn't tell us how. He tells us why. Now, in those three bedtime stories that I mentioned a moment ago, when those stories begin, would you agree with me that something is already there? The stuffed bunny rabbit, the pauper boy, the great king. When a good story begins, once upon a time, something is already there, right? If you're a highfalutin literary type, like many of the people in this room are, you might say that the story begins in medias res, in the middle of things. When a good story begins once upon a time, something is already there. In this morning's story from John, what is it that's already there? What's already there is very strange. Do you remember what it is? What's already there is the Word, the Logos, the Word. Once upon a time, John says, there was the Word. Before heaven and earth existed, there was the Word. Before Israel, there was the Word. Before Adam and Eve, there was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, John 1.1. The Word is how John's story begins. There was nothing before the Word. The origin of all that exists is the Word. But what was it? And what is it? What is this Word? And here I must pass over millennia of theological development. Here I must uh, bypass um, vast libraries of rigorous philosophical thought and simply say this What is this Word? This word is the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Son, and Holy Spirit. This word is the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. This word is the only Son of God the Father, very God of very God, as the Creed says. When John begins his story, once upon a time, What is it that's already there? God's son, begotten from all eternity, uncreated. God, the word. That's how it begins. But as John's version of the story continues, it says something just as interesting. It tells us that this word, this word that existed before the entire universe, this word became, this word became flesh. I wonder what that means. Now, remember, we're talking about stories, and I've been saying this morning that uh, there's something super interesting about how stories begin, right? Question, when's the first time in the whole Bible, because the Bible's our story, right? When's the first time in our entire story that we hear the word flesh, kind of a weird question what's the first time in our story of the bible where we hear the word flesh it's very interesting in my opinion think to the very beginning of our story genesis chapter 2 quoting from the king james version quote and the lord god brought a woman to the man And Adam said, now this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Who is this original flesh? All the way back at the beginning of our story in Genesis chapter two, it's Eve. It's the woman, it's Adam's friend, his partner, his lover, his wife. The flesh is the very first woman, the very first mother. In chapter one, John does not mention Mary's name, but he does point to her. He does allude to her. The allusion is the word flesh. Flesh. The word became flesh. Where did Jesus get his flesh, his body, and his blood? Not from God, but from his mother. Mary, the Word became flesh. Mary, her womb has become the house of God. God's previous house had been the temple, right? And before that, it was the tabernacle. Speaking of the word tabernacle, I now come to my third word. Not just word, not just flesh, but a third word. Because you see, John's story continues. Not only did this word become flesh, but this word dwelled. That's my third word. It's a verb. The word dwelled. The word dwelled. Among us, verse 14 of John chapter 1. But the verb that John uses is fascinating because what it really says in verse 14 is that the word tabernacled among us. So weird. Speaking of God's house, it says that the word tabernacled among us. What a strange verb John chooses here. In John's story, Jesus becomes the new temple. Jesus becomes the new Tabernacle, He becomes the house, Jesus does, the house in which God dwells. Why tabernacle? Such a weird verb. Why does John use that verb in describing what Jesus came to do? Well, let's, let's do the same thing here with this verb tabernacled, dwelled. Let's do the same thing here that we did a moment ago with the word flesh. Let's do the same thing. Go back to the beginning of our story and ask, when do we first hear about a tabernacle? Hmm. The answer is the book of Exodus, the very beginning, right? Very close to the beginning of our story, the Bible. Remember what happens in Exodus? You might remember these lines, let my people go. Remember? Let my people go, says the Lord. But here's the point, why? Why did God send Moses to the Pharaoh to say, let my people go? If you read the book of Exodus carefully, it's very clear God wanted to be with his people. God wanted to be with his people. We hear it over and over and over again in this story in lots of different ways. Let my people go that that they may feast with me. Exodus 5.1. Let my people go that they may worship me, Exodus 7.16. Let my people go that they may obey my voice and keep my covenant, that they may be my treasured possession out of all the people, Exodus 19.5. Why does God command the Pharaoh to let his people go, to let God's people go? Each time is different, that they may feast with me, that they may worship me, that they may be my treasured possession. Each time is different, yes, but each time it's the same. Let my people go that they may dwell with me. That they may dwell with me and I with them. The word became flesh and dwelled among us, John says. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. After slavery in Egypt, the Lord did dwell with, with the Lord's people in this new house called the tabernacle. The story invites us to feel The intimacy, the trust, the love, the love between God and God's people. What does it mean to dwell? It means that, that God is with God's people, that he is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. See, the tabernacle was God's old covenant house where God dwelled with God's people. But in the new covenant in Christ, Jesus is a new and better house, which is why John describes Jesus not just as the tabernacle, but also as the temple. I hope you understand that the tabernacle and the temple are kind of the same thing. We live in a world in which a lot of people don't really know the Bible anymore. The tabernacle and the temple are kind of the same thing. The temple is, is God's house 1.0. The ta- the, that, that, sorry, the, temple, the tabernacle is God's house 1.0. The temple is God's house 2.0. But they're both God's house. And John describes Jesus, yes, as the temple, but also, yes, as the tabernacle, but also as the temple. In John chapter 2, right after our passage this morning, we read about the temple. Here's Jesus right before the Passover, and he drives out all the animals. He's angry. He drives them out, the animal merchants, the money changers, the religious types confront him. What sign can you give for doing this, they say. Remember Jesus' response? Destroy this temple, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up, John 2, 19. See, the tabernacle and the temple are basically the same thing, God's house in which God dwells intimately with his people. What was the purpose of the original tabernacle slash temple? A house for God to dwell with us. A house of God's presence, his intimate, loving presence. In John's story, this house is Jesus. This house is the body of Christ, the body of Christ that was destroyed on the cross, the body of Christ that was raised three days later, the body of Christ, the body of Christ that is St. George's Church, the body of Christ that's In this very room, look to your left, look to your right. You're looking at the very body of Christ. Friends, that is God's house. That is where God dwells with us. That is where we feast with God and worship him. That's where we become God's treasured possession. Why was the baby Jesus born? Remember, John doesn't tell us how. He tells us why. Why? Was the baby Jesus born? Feasting, worship, being God's treasured possession. In other words, God dwelling with us, intimacy, his presence. God with us, the great king who became a little child. Once upon a time, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Merry Christmas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.